And I'm, I'm very grateful this morning as well to be part of, of Hillside Baptist Church as we talk about our covenant. Um, and so just a reminder, right, we're, we're, we're in the third, third installation of our four-part membership series. And today we are going to be talking about church covenant, uh, our church covenant. Church covenants uh, date back to the 1600s uh, in Baptist life. Um, and what are they? Well, they're really nothing more than, than pulling together all the one another commands in Scripture. Um, a covenant is, is uh, a covenant, as you know, is something that establishes and upholds a relationship. All right. And the Bible talks a lot about covenants. We understand that in any relationship, right, there are privileges and responsibilities. There are privileges and responsibilities with regards to that to that relationship. And that's what covenants um, help make clear. And so this morning we're going to talk about our covenant. And our covenant is broken down into four parts. And so we're just going to walk through um, each four parts of the covenant. Now there was a copy of the covenant um, in, the, in the lobby there. If you, di- if you didn't grab one, you could grab one on the way out. But it's also going to be up on the screen here. And so let me pray for us and then we're just going to walk through our covenant and talk about it together. Uh, Lord Jesus, um, we thank you for your love for us. We thank you for the new covenant in your blood, which you shed for us to, to bring us back to right relationship with God Almighty, the King of the universe. And Lord, as your people, Lord, we recognize that we are in covenant with you and that we're also in covenant with one another, Lord, that there's a special relationship that exists between those who call together on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ in faith, Lord. And we want to be a church that really embodies what it means to, to belong to Jesus, that really lives out the beauty and the wonder of being part of the kingdom and the family of God. And so as we walk through this covenant, Father, I pray that you would just help us to see what a great privilege and high calling it is to belong to you. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so we're just going to walk through our covenant this morning. Um, It's divided into four parts. Um, Love one another, build one another up, maintain a faithful witness, and labor together for Christ. And we're going to talk about each one of those in turn. All right, the first part of our covenant here is kind of the introduction, and this is what it says. It says, Having been led by the Spirit of God to repent of our sin and embrace Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord, and having been baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we joyfully make the following covenant with God and one another as one body in Christ. And so this is the introduction to our covenant, okay? And so what is it saying? It's saying that we together are what? We're people who, by the Spirit of God, has been led to repent of our sins and embrace Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. So what is that? It's simply saying we're Christians, right? That's what it means to be a Christian. We have repented of our sins. We have changed our mind about our sin. We have turned from our sin and ourself, and we are turning to faith in Jesus Christ in trust and submission and obedience to him. That's what it means to be a Christian. And to be part of a church, we, got, we must be Christian. All right? And then the next part is having been baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So the first act of obedience of a Christian is to be baptized, right? Baptism is a symbol, right, of your death to self. You, you're dying to your old self, and new spiritual life, you're lifted up out of the water. New spiritual life is at work in you by the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's what baptism means. And so having been people who have repented of our sins, trusted in Christ, and have been baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, 
it, we are now saying that we joyfully make the following covenant with God and one another. So what that means is that, what that means is that as a church, right, we're, we're covenanting together to be what the Bible calls the church to be, we're, and we're covenanting to do that together as a local body of believers, right? Because, because you know, you, you can't be a church with someone halfway across the world, all right? You can't be a church with people that you don't know and that you never get together with. But we're saying is that as a local body, we're saying that this is the group of people, right? We, all, we have to obey Christ. We have to obey the one another commands in Scripture. But it begs the question, who's those people going to be? And the answer to that question is your church. And the church is that body of people that we are covenanting together, saying this is what we're going to be together. All right? The best analogy for, the church, for a church covenant is wedding vows, okay, is wedding vows, because the we- the, it's one of the last remaining vestiges, if you will, of, of kind of this, this, this relationship that we're talking about, is, is the wedding, and the wedding vows are, are a form of covenant. And so what is a wedding vow? Well, it's a, it's a public promise, right? You are stating publicly before witnesses, right, because the witnesses are supposed to do what? Or they're supposed to hold you accountable to the promise that you make, right? So we're making a public promise, to our spouse, right, that we're going to love them for better or for worse, for richer or poorer, to death do us part, as long as we both shall live, right? We're making a vow, we're making a covenant that I'm going to love you and not just love you in general, right? Because anybody can do that. I'm going to love you in particular. In fact, in these particular ways, this is what my love for you is going to look like. That's what a wedding vow is, all right? And when you're, uh, imagine getting married, but your fiance refused to take the vows, You'd be a little nervous, right? Are they really committed? Do they really, are they going to love me in the way that I ought to be, that I should be loved, all right? Uh, what, what, do they really know what, uh, what marriage means? I mean, you don't really know that unless they're willing to, to, to vow that together, okay? Um, and in the same way, right, that once you're married, right, you have a ring, right? The, what is the ring? The ring is a symbol. The ring is a symbol, right? It, so it doesn't make me married, right? It's, it's not like, oh, I'm not married. Oops, I'm married again, right? That's not how it works, right? The ring is a symbol of the marriage, right? So wearing the ring doesn't make you married in and of itself, but it is a symbol of the promise that I made, right? It's a symbol of the promise that you made, all right? So what, how does this relate to a church covenant? Well, a church covenant is kind of like your wedding vows, right? It is saying, I'm going to love you, and not just in some vague sense, but I'm going to love you in real concrete ways, and this is what it's going to look like. So you know exactly what I'm promising to you and exactly what we can expect from one another as part of this relationship together, right? And signing the covenant is kind of like wearing a wedding ring, right? It's kind of like, it's, kind of, it doesn't, it, it's nothing special in and of itself, all right? It doesn't make you saved or not saved, all right? It, all it is is it's a symbol, right? It's a symbol of saying, I'm in this with you. And we're in this together. And I'm affirming that together. That's what it is. And so, and so it, it's saying, I'm really for this. I'm really in this. I'm really part of this family. And so that's why we're, we're talking about a covenant. It's, it's a historic Baptist practice, and we're talking about signing the covenant. It's for these reasons, okay? So the first thing, uh, so we have four headings describing four postures that we're, we're taking as as covenant members of Hillside Baptist Church. I do want to point out that there is a, um, there is a uh, initial kind of statement there that says uh, that, that 
it, it'll be by the grace of God and by the power of the Holy Spirit. So in other words, the things that we're committing to do to one another, for one another is by the grace of God and by the power of the Holy Spirit. What does that mean? It means church membership is not natural. It's supernatural. Right? Why? Because, because um, to, to, be, to be the church that God has called us to be, to love people like the way God has called us to love, that doesn't come naturally. It's a gift of God by the power of the Holy Spirit. Right? Because what did Jesus do? Jesus didn't love us at our best. Jesus loved us at our worst. Right? And if we're going to follow in Jesus' footsteps, that's how we're going to have to love one another. And so that doesn't mean, so it means that properly understood, right, church isn't going to be the perfect place. In fact, the church can, can and will be many times just as messy as everywhere else. But the difference is how we're going to respond to it. And we're going to respond the way Jesus responded. And that is love people at their best and at their worst. And that is not natural. It's supernatural. It's a gift of God by the power of the Holy Spirit. And so everything we do and everything we're going to talk about today is only by the grace of God and the power of the Holy Spirit. The first part of our covenant says that we will love one another. Okay, we will love one another. I'm just going to... It says we'll love one another and then we have bullet points, okay? The first bullet point is we will love one another by being kind and tenderhearted, slow to take offense, and quick to forgive. Okay, so... Uh, well, before I do that, when we say love one another, in John 13, 35, in John 13, 35, it says, By this, all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. Okay? So this is how people will know that we belong to Jesus. It's because we love one another. And so what, what does that love look like? Well, this is what we're talking about. The first one is by being kind and tenderhearted, slow to take offense, and quick to forgive. This is, this is almost a direct quote from Ephesians 4.32. All right? Be kind and tenderhearted, slow to take offense, and quick to forgive. This is, what, this is what love looks like, right? It's one thing to say you love somebody, but what does that really look like, right? Well, this is what love looks like. We're going to be kind and tenderhearted toward one another. We're going to be slow to take offense, and we're going to be quick to forgive, right? We have to admit today that the world is full of a shallow kind of love, right? It's very shallow, right? It, it runs at the first sign of difficulty or at the first sign of hardship. Right? And we're saying that Christ is calling us to a different kind of love. A kind of love that is going to be hard to offend and quick to forgive. A posture of kindness towards one another that is beautiful and that is attractive. And that's what we're called to as followers of Jesus Christ. We're also saying, the next bullet, is that we're going to seek peace at all times and refuse to sow seeds of discord among the saints. Uh, We live in a very divided age. I don't know if you've noticed that. All right? But everything is hyper-political, hyper-divided. Disunity is easy. Unity is hard. It's a gift of God, again, by the power of the Holy Spirit. Peace is a gift of God. Uh, It can be attained and kept, but it it doesn't come on its own. It takes work, all right? It takes forgiveness. It takes tenderheartedness. It takes kindness. It takes a refusal, it says, to sow seeds of discord among the church. Okay, the devil divides. That's what he does, right? When the devil lied to Adam and Eve, uh, the first thing that ended up doing was uh, he divided them from God. He, he, they, they rebelled against God. They believed the lie and rebelled against God. He divided them from God. And then you'll notice immediately when they were divided from God, they were also divided from one another, right? Because when God shows up, 
uh, Adam starts blaming Eve, and Eve blames the devil, and everybody's blaming somebody else. All right? What is that? That's sin, because sin divides. All right? But the supernatural work of the Holy Spirit should be to unite, right? And so we should strive with everything in us to to, uh, be like Jesus said, where he said, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. All right? Paul, in fact, in the book of Titus, I believe, uh, said that to rebuke a divisive person once and then twice and then remove them from the church. And so unity is a hallmark of, of the people who belong to Jesus. Okay, the next bullet point in our covenant is to contribute to others' needs and bear one another's burdens. Okay, these, these, are, these commands are found in Romans 12, 13 and Galatians 6, 2. Okay, and so what this means is that as a church, we're saying that we're just going to be there for one another. All right? I don't know. If, so, like, you know, the, the world in, in many ways is, is, is kind of breaking down, all right? And a lot of it has to do with the breaking down of the family. And in the past, well, the way that God designed the family is, right, the family is kind of that first line of security, that first line of protection, that first line of a place where you could, when you need help, it provides protection and help and comfort. But as the family breaks down, what we're going to see is just a lot of, people out there alone and helpless and weak and vulnerable out there. And what the church is going to have the ability to do at the, in those moments is to step in and be the, to be the, the family for the familyless, the father to the fatherless, okay? And, and, and the way we do that is we contribute to, other, to others, one another's needs and to bear one another's burdens. It means we're there for one another, um, it means, it means we, we care about one another and, and do tangible acts of good for one another, right? That's the kind of community we want to be to each other, all right? The next one uh, says uh, praying with and for one another, all right? One of the most direct ways that you can bear a burden for someone else is to pray for them. There's a measure, there are numerous needs in this church. If you ask around, you will find more needs, I mean... It, it, it will it'll just make your heart heavy with the amount of needs out there. Again, because no human being can bear all these needs of a fallen, broken world. But God can. And so we have the opportunity and the privilege to bear one another's burdens by praying for one another. Because God hears prayer and God answers prayer. And so that's one of the great privileges that we have as a church is to pray for one another. Um, the, uh, the next bullet point says that we're going to honor one another above ourselves. Honor one another above ourselves. Jesus washed his disciples' feet. Now, we all know that they should have been washing Jesus' feet. But Jesus said, no, 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 I'm going to wash your feet. All right? And so, what he's saying is he was, he was giving them an example to follow. That even though Jesus was, is the greatest being that there is, he was not too great to serve other people. All right? And so that's what, that's what we're saying is we want to be like that as a church. We're calling ourselves to be like that as a church, to honor one another above ourselves, to put uh, preferences aside for the, for the temporal and especially the eternal good of other people. And when we do that, we become like Jesus. Uh, the final way that we love one another is by rejoicing with the rejoicing and weeping with the weeping. All right? We're going to celebrate when others are celebrating. We're going to weep when others are weeping. All right? This ties in with bearing one another's burdens, right? We're going to be there for one another. We're going to help people carry. We're going to help share in their joys and carry their sorrows together. Because that's what it means to be 
the family of God. So the first thing that we do as a church is love one another. That's the first calling of uh, uh, God's call upon us as a church is to love one another. The second part of our covenant, the second section of our covenant, says that we're going to build one another up. We're going to build one another up. Okay, so what does that look like? All right. Uh, The first bullet point is that we're going to build one another up by exhorting each other in the faith. By exhorting each other in the faith. Okay, so what does build one another up mean? In in Ephesians 4, um, 11 through 13, it says that uh, he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of, of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. And so, if you look at that passage, what's it saying is that God has given church leaders in particular, but everybody in general, right, to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ. So the goal as a church is to be built up, it says in verse 13 there, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood. All right? So to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Okay, so what's the, what's the point, right? The point is, is that we together as a church must, must be together, speak truth into one another's lives so that we grow up into mature Christian manhood until we until we attain the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, right? So in a family, right, if you're, if, if you're a parent or ever been a parent, right, your job is to help that ch- child grow and mature, right? Um, a, a person who is a full-grown adult but acts like a child, it's just not good, all right? Am I, am I right? So, so, so in other words, the, the job of the parent is what? Is to raise the children to maturity. Well, the job of the church as a whole is to raise other up to Christian maturity, right? And you remember the scriptures where, you know, uh, 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 Paul and the author of Hebrews, you know, they kind of rebuked the church a little bit because they're like, hey, you know, you should have been a little bit more mature by now. You should have been on solid food, but you still need milk, right? So the point is, is that we as a church, right, we, we have to grow up. We have to mature, and, and, but we do that for one another, right? We, we help each other grow in that way. And so what is the way we do that? Well, the first way is by exhorting each other in the faith. Exhorting each other in the faith. Well, what is, a, what is exhortation? Well, exhortation is just speaking the truth into somebody's life. Right? You're just speaking the truth into somebody's life. When, when someone exhorts another person, you're speaking the truth in hopes that they will respond to the truth. Okay? That's what exhortation is. In, in Hebrews 3.13, uh, it says, Exhort one another every day as long as it is called today, so that you might not be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. All right? So sin lies to you. You're, the world, the flesh, and the devil. Okay? They lie to you. They're trying to get you to believe things that are not true about the world, about God, about yourself, okay? And we're tempted to believe those things at times, and that will lead us into sin, into unbelief. But what is the biblical antidote for that? It is exhort one another every day, right? So, so we, the, the, the goal of the church, the responsibility of the church is to speak truth into one another's lives so that we can counteract the lies of the world, the flesh, and the devil. It's like being on a team right? Where every teammate pushes us 
and encourages us and holds us accountable so that together we make sure that everybody on the team reaches the finish line. I mean, and, and you just can't do that on your own, right? It's, it's like we talked about before, right? Uh, which, which sheep does the wolf go after? The weak and isolated ones, right? And so the way we battle that is to stick together and to speak truth to one another and exhort one another and encourage one another so that we won't lose, get weary or grow weak or, or disappear. And that helps us make sure that we all make it to the finish line together. Uh, the next one is that we'll um, build one another up by stirring one another to love and good works. Stirring one another to love and good works. That's a, that's a quote from Hebrews 10.24. All right? You know, sometimes we just get lazy. Sometimes we just kind of just kind of start coasting in our spiritual lives. And what we need is someone to come alongside and say, come on, let's go. Don't give up. Keep fighting. Keep working. Let's go. You stir one another up to love and good works. That's what we need, right? We need people to come alongside us and to stir us up, right? To do what we might not do just in and of ourselves, but what is right and good to do. And that's what the church does is we, we, we stand beside one another and stir one another up to love and to good works. And then the final way we build one another up is to restore those caught in sin with gentleness. Restore those caught in sin with gentleness. That's, again, it's, a, it's almost a direct quotation of Galatians 6.1. All right? We confront sin in order to seek to restore brothers to faith in Jesus Christ. We take sin seriously as a church because sin is serious. Because what is sin? It separates you from God. And it separates you from other people, right? When someone sins against you, then guess what? That relationship ain't as close as it was. Sin is separating you from people, and most importantly, sin separates us from God. So when one among our number, right, we're not talking about unbelievers. We don't, we're not telling unbelievers how they should live. We're talking about Christians within the church, Right? And we're saying that if we see a brother who we know and love who has professed faith in Christ and they are stumbling or they're walking away, we need to come around that person and help them and help restore them. No, because we know that if a sin is allowed to remain unchecked in someone's life, it eventually, it's like, it's like, it's like, it's like keeping a pet tiger in your basement. All right? It's serious. If you, if you just leave it there and you keep feeding it, it's going to eventually grow big enough to eat you. That's what sin does, right? And so it's not being judgmental. It's saying we know the devil. We know what the devil's trying to do. We're not ignorant of his schemes. And one of the ways that we can help one another is restore those caught in sin with gentleness. And in fact, Paul goes on to say, uh, but watch yourself also lest you too be tempted, right? And so it's this thing where we need each other to help us make it to the finish line together. So we love one another we build one another up. The third thing that we do as a church is we maintain a faithful witness. We maintain a faithful witness, all right? Uh, the first bullet point there is that we maintain a faithful witness by walking daily in Christian holiness and private devotion, all right? Um, as a church, right, we know, and under, we know and understand, right, that our Christian life consists in more than just uh, two hours a week, Right? That our, that, our, that our Christian life is our, our, our full orb, 24-7 devotion to Jesus Christ, right? And that, and that, um, that we should be so saturated with Jesus that if someone cut us, we bleed Christ, 
right? That should be who we are as followers of Jesus Christ. And the truth is, and, and what, this, what this call is to walk daily in Christian holiness and private devotion is that the, the, the private life of the individual and the corporate life of the church, they're always working together, right? You, you know this intuitively, right, in your family. When one member of your family is struggling, it doesn't just affect that one member. It affects the whole family. And when one member of the family grows stronger, guess what? The whole family grows stronger, right? And so one of the greatest things that we can do, in fact, in fact, Robert, uh, Robert McShane was a, a famous um, a Scottish pastor, I think he was, and he once said that, that as a pastor, his people's greatest need was his personal holiness. And what he meant by that was, is that the more that I'm personally closer to Jesus, the more I'm going to love other people better. The more I'm going to serve them better. The more I'm going to be full so that I can help give to other people, right? But if we're walking on empty all the time, we're not going to have anything to give, right? And so one of the greatest ways that we as individual, individually can help build up the church is something as simple as just walking closely with Jesus every day. It really is that simple. And so uh, Paul told Timothy in 1 Timothy 4, 7, he told Timothy, train yourself for godliness. Right? Train yourself for godliness. It takes work. It takes effort. It takes energy. Read the Bible every day. Pray every day. Develop the spiritual disciplines in your life. Strive everything that you can to walk closely with Jesus. It's going to protect you. It's going to make the devil angry. And it's going to put you in a better position to help other people which is what we're called to do as a church. And so we're committing together as a church to walk daily in Christian holiness and private devotion. Uh, the next way we maintain a faithful witness is by raising our children in the instruction and fear of the Lord, right? As Christians, right, we recognize that, that parenting is a gift from God, uh, that children are a gift from God, right? And that it's a tremendous stewardship from God because, right, God has decided, right, in his wisdom that the image that he gives of, of himself is like a father, God the Father, all right? And so for better or for worse, right, many children will end up viewing God the way they view us as their parents, right? And, I, 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 and I'm not saying that it all hinges on that, and we, we can, you know, we can do our best, and sometimes it doesn't turn out like we had hoped. But my point is, is that we do our best that we can, right, to, to raise our children in the fear and instruction of the Lord because that is what God called us to do, right? We're the primary spiritual instructors for our children, right? And we recognize, right, as Christian parents that, that as a parent, right, um, as wonderful as church is, right, uh, a couple hours a week for your children in church isn't going to counteract the, the rest of the six days a week of the world's influence in their life. So they don't just need to go to church once a week. They need a Christian home. They need a Christian home where their parents are, are, are reading the Bible and are, and are praying with them and are teaching, and are teaching them in the home the, the, the Scripture and are teaching their children how to love God and how to be obedient and how to love and serve other people, right? That comes from the parents, right? And we're saying that as a church family, you know that old, that old African proverb, it takes a village to raise a child. It takes a church to raise a child. 
But it take but but the but the the church can't replace the parent either. We work together to to try to seek to raise our children in the fear and instruction of the Lord. Uh, the next bullet point is that we maintain a faithful witness by being filled with the Spirit rather than substances which inhibit sober judgment. This is from Ephesians five, I believe, where it says, uh, "Do not be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit." All right. One of the common Christian um, uh, virtues is sober-mindedness. Is sober-mindedness. What does it mean? It means that as a Christian, right, in any circumstance, in any circumstance that I find myself in, I should be able to have a sober mind so that I can seek and think about the will of God, think about the Scripture, and be able to determine and to make a wise decision in the fear of God in any circumstance that I face myself, that, that I'll face in life, right? That's what it means to be sober-minded, right? Well, guess what? You just, you just can't do that if you're high or drunk, right? And so, and so as Christians, we're saying that part of our responsibility towards one another is that we're going to not, um, uh, we're not going to be filled with substances that are going to inhibit sober judgment, right? Um, and, and again, it, it doesn't just affect the individual, it affects the whole family, right? And so if somebody's struggling with that, right, what we as a church need to do is we need to come around that person and help them and, 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 and give them encouragement and help them find help so that they can be delivered. Because look, look, the, the drug epidemic is literally destroying our society. It's literally destroying Dodge County. And, and, there, and we got to... We gotta, we gotta be willing to step in there and help people, and people need help, and they're enslaved, okay? And so we can help them, and and most important, and, and importantly for us too, we have to be, we have to be on guard against that ourselves, right? So that we can be in a position to help other people, right? And so the next one is, uh, and the final one under this heading is to be honest, just, and faithful in our dealings, right? Christians should be, we, Christians generally speaking, right? We should have a good reputation in the community, right? If we're a business owner, we should run that business well. We should, we should be fair in our dealings. We should, we should pay a fair wage. We should, uh, we should uh, be, be affirmed. We should, we should hold to our word, right? If we say something, we should do it, right? Because it's not just, it's not just our reputation on the line. It's Jesus' reputation on the line, right? When you say that you're a Christian, you no longer just represent you. You represent Jesus, right? When you're a member of Hillside Baptist Church, you don't just represent you. You represent Hillside Baptist Church. And so, whatever we do, we should be honest, just, faithful, all right? And that will be our witness before the world. So we love one another, we build one another up, we maintain a faithful witness. And finally here, we labor together for Christ. We labor together for Christ. And there's several ways that we do this uh, quickly, all right? First... We labor together by giving generously to the ministries of the church, okay? Uh, we understand, from, especially from the Old Testament, but throughout the whole Bible, right, that giving is an act of worship. When you give, you're worshiping God. Uh, the, the, the Old Testament saints, they were commanded to give a tithe, which means a tenth, right? A tenth of their produce, a tenth of their income, right? What was it? It was a sign of their love and devotion for God. It was an expression of their gratitude, right? Because, because they don't mind giving a tenth because God gave them a hundred, right? They don't mind giving 10% because God gave them a hundred percent, all right? And so, and so it's, an, it's an act of worship. So it's not merely giving to the church, 
It's giving to God. It's an act of worship to God. And, and, and as a church family, what we're saying is that we believe in the ministry of Hillside Baptist Church. We believe in what God is doing here. And so we're going to give generously to make sure that that's continued to, to able to happen. All right? The next one is um, to, uh, to submit to the church's leadership. Submit to the church's leadership. Now, the word submit makes people nervous. So let me just explain this to everybody, okay? Uh, because of abuses of authority, which we've all experienced, all right, uh, the, the, the idea of submission makes people nervous, and that's understandable, okay? So what are we talking about here? Well, we recognize, right, that in principle, all right, in principle, uh, in principle, the um, uh, submission to good leadership is part of human life and is part of the Christian life. For example, the first commandment that God gave that concerns our interpersonal relationship is, children, obey your parents. Honor your father and mother. All right? Because why? Because there is an authority structure that God has given for people's good, and when, it, and when the authority is, is fitting, right, and, and is doing, its, doing their responsibility correctly, right, that authority is good. It's protective. It's, 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 it's guiding. It, it, it's good authority, right? And not, just, and not just within the family, but um, the truth is, is we submit to people all the time, right? If you're an employee uh, at work, guess what? You don't just willy-nilly disrespect your boss, do you? He's your boss, right? You might not even respect him a lot, but he's still your boss, right? Uh, I hope you do, right? But he's still your boss, right? And so we submit to people all the time. All right. When you're out, when you're out in the world, all right, and you 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 driving around town, you submit to the police, you submit to government officials, right? Well, what does it mean to submit to the church's leadership? Well, it's it's taken from Hebrews thirteen seventeen, okay. And Hebrews thirteen seventeen says, "Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be no advantage to you." All right? So what is that? It's, so when we put submit to the church's leadership in the covenant, what are we saying? We're saying, we're, just, we're saying that in the spirit of Hebrews 13, 17, generally speaking, God gives leaders for the good of his people, right? God gave Moses, God gave Joshua, and so on and so forth. God gives leaders for the good of his people. And insofar as those leaders are being faithful, being holy, being obedient to the scriptures, uh, not doing anything wrong or sinful, then generally speaking, you should, you should just trust them. Okay, doesn't mean they're going to be perfect, doesn't mean uh, submission, doesn't mean that uh, someone's going to be coming to your house and trying to micromanage your, li- micromanage your life. I, be- I barely can manage my life most of the time, all right? I don't have time to be managing yours, all right? But the point is, is that generally speaking, when a church leader has your, your eternal good in mind, right, then, 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 then trust them. If, if you don't think that's happening, then a conversation needs to happen, right? But generally speaking, right, they're, they're, they're for your benefit. And that's what he says, right? Obey them for they're keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Guys, y- y'all don't know, like, how, how terrified I am to know that I'm going to have to give an account before God of, the, of, of how this church is led. No one else in this room besides Ron and I at this moment is going to have to do that. It's just me and him before God Almighty on what happens in this church. And it is, it's heavy, I'm telling you. And so, and so it, we're, we're, doing, we're doing the best we can, all right? And we're going to try to keep doing the best we can, and we're not always going to get it right. 
And I just, I, I ask for your forgiveness ahead of time, uh, all right? And, and for, for the mistakes I've already made, guys. But, but this is the spirit in which we're, we, we're put this in there, submit to the church's leadership, okay? The next one is to guard the church's doctrines, right? To guard the church's doctrines. As a church, right, we believe that the truth matters, right? The truth matters, right? 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 Either Jesus rose from the dead or he didn't, right? Either Jesus is coming back or he's not. Either Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through him, or that's not true. Right? You, you track with me? And so the truth, the truth really does matter. Right? And so we're saying that, that if we're going to be members together of a church, there, we don't necessarily, I mean, there, there, are, there are some secondary issues that might not be a big deal, but we have a statement of faith that we believe, that's the, one of the most common statements of faith, the Baptist Faith of the Message 2000, that we believe is a faithful summary of biblical doctrine. And that faithful summary of biblical doctrine, our statement of faith, we believe is kind of, is the way that we can assure together that, that, that we, that we're in agreement, right? We're in agreement because if you're not in agreement on the most important things, then you you really can't have any real unity or that unity is really just superficial, all right? But when you agree about the most important things, that's when we have real unity as a church. And so what we're saying is that we're going to guard the church's doctrines. We're not going to hold any settled convictions contrary uh, to our statement of faith. And so, and so if you, and so that's why, that's what we're agreeing to as a church. So if you have any questions about the statement of faith, I'd be glad to talk with you and, 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 ex, and explain things and make things more clear and hopefully we can come to an agreement on it. Um, if at some point along the way, uh, you come to a settled conviction that's opposed to one of the articles in our statement of faith, then we need to talk about that. And, and, and if that's your settled conviction, then, you know, we're just going to have to agree to disagree, and you might, you know, you might have to find another church. It's not trying to be mean, but I'm just saying this is what we're going. This is what we're saying. We believe are important truths that we really can't bend on because the truth matters, right? And 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 so and so this is this is who we are as a church, and that's what we want to embrace. That okay? Uh, the next thing is that we're saying that we're not going to neglect the corporate gatherings. All right, we're not going to neglect the corporate gatherings. Again, this is almost a quotation. Uh, from uh, Hebrews 10.25, which says, uh, Not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more, as you see the day drawing near. So you see that? They were, uh, you know, people were skipping church 2,000 years ago. So it's just, you know, it is what it is, but what is he saying? He's saying, "We we shouldn't do that, right? And we shouldn't do that because why? Because we need encouragement from one another. Why? Because a judgment day is coming. We need encouragement from one another because the judgment day is coming, and we don't, we don't want to be one of those people that gets caught off guard, right? And so, but how do we do that? We do that by showing up, right, and, and, and being here for one another, right? And, and I just think that we have to admit, right, we, I think we, we have to admit as a church kind of the problem uh, that's, that's just endemic, really, but uh, of most churches, but you know the, the the membership role vastly is vastly larger than the people who actually attend, right? And so, what is that? It's a sign. It's a sign of unhealth, right? It's a sign that that either either people aren't taking membership seriously, or that the church isn't taking membership seriously enough to say, hey, you know, we need to uh, we need to go check on these people, all right, and and things like that. And so, we're just saying that as a church, that as members of this church. We're going to be committed to being there for one another, right? It's kind of like if you're part of a family, but you never show up, 
no holidays, no nothing. Well, it's like, you know, it's like, what, what is it? And so, and so we're saying that we're going to be there for one another. And so part of that is saying, and so, I mean, I'm just, let's, just, let's just say this together, church, that we're going to be there for one another, right? Let's just say that. And so if you're, if, if you're, if you're interested, but you're not sure, you know, I hope that God will give your, will just press upon your heart the magnitude and the importance of, of church life, right? When, when a pastor asks someone to go to church, they think, oh, a pastor is just doing, you know, that's what a pastor does. No, guys, look, it's life or death. The devil gets plenty of time with you. He does, right? Why don't you give God some time? To counteract the lies that the devil is telling you. And so we're in this together. And so let's just commit to do this, you know. If, 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 and let's be a church that says, you know what, if someone's fallen off, I hadn't seen them in a while, let's go after them. All right? Let's go after them. All right? And, and, and make sure and, and, and bring them back, right? But if somebody is just going to be committed to not coming anymore, then membership effectively means nothing, right? And so, and, and we, and we, shouldn't, we shouldn't tolerate that either. And so we're not going to neglect the corporate gatherings. Uh, next, we're going to serve the church with our gifts and resources. All right? We're going to serve the church with our gifts and resources. Everybody has a spiritual gift. God has given you a gift, right? If you are saved and you have the Holy Spirit, which are the same thing, right, then you have a spiritual gift. All right? You have a spiritual gift and you have some way that God wants you to be exercising that gift. Think about it. Pray about it. If you're not sure, just try something out. Try an area of service out till you find it, till you can... Till you can uh, serve uh, the Lord. And then the final thing is, the final thing is we'll, we'll labor together for Christ by seeking the salvation of our lost friends and family, and lost friends, family, and acquaintances, as well as participate in the global missions effort. So it's, it's, it's the last and kind of one of the most important things. Our, our mission at Hillside is to love God, love people, and to make disciples, right? We have the greatest news that have ever been told, that has ever been told. We have the greatest message uh, that, that, that there is because it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. And it can save you and your family and your neighbors and your co-workers. And it can save anyone, everybody who will turn from their sins and trust in Jesus. And that's what, that's the, that's what Christ has entrusted us to do as a church. We are a, as a church, what are we going to be? We're going to be a kingdom outpost, right? The, the Bible refers to the devil in one place as the God of this world, right? Well, well, what, is, what are we? We're like, a, we're like a city shining on a hill. There's a bunch of darkness out there, but we're a spot of light. And we want to be a place where people, where, where people in darkness, we can say, hey, let me show you Jesus. Because he's the one who has called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. So, so in a couple of weeks, okay, we're going to have a covenant signing ceremony. And what, what is it? Well, I think it's like this. I view it as kind of like renewing our wedding vows, right? You've been married a long time, you know, and sometimes it's good to remind yourself of that promise that you made, right? And so I kind of view it as like we're, it's two churches coming together and we're renewing our wedding vows. It's saying, you know what, we're going to double down on our relationship, on our love for one another, to be the church that God has called us to be. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, um, thank you for today, and surely, Lord, it is, a, it is a high calling to be a member of a local church. Lord, we can't do it, but you can, God, and, uh, and God, I just pray that you would help us. It's not easy, 
Life isn't easy. Life is hard. Life is messy. There's lots of pain. There's lots of hurt. There's lots of sorrows, Lord. But the church, at our best, God, we can be the place where your light and your love shines the brightest. And God, that's the kind of place that we want to be. So Lord, this covenant, Lord, it's, 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 it, it's, it's our way of saying, Lord, we want to be this for you. We want to be what you have called us to be. We want to be a beautiful, shining city on a hill, a place where the love of Christ just flows through this place, Lord, where everybody who walks through these doors, God, can just feel it, feel your presence in our hearts, God, and in our midst, Lord. What a privilege to be part of the family of God. And so, God, help us to do it and help us to do it well. Father, I pray, Lord, um, for, for somebody listening this morning. And maybe they, they haven't even taken that first step yet of becoming part of your family by turning from their sins, Lord Jesus, and trusting in you. What a wonderful thing it would be. What a wonderful thing it would be, God, to have a new soul brought into the family of God and brought into our new church as we're coming together so that we can help point them to you in every way and walk this uh, journey of faith together, God, to make sure that we all make it to the finish line together. God, we thank you and we love you. And it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.